Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rap room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it and anybody can get it No limit, we get to kill it, you tuning in to the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping, any topic, even the random I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rap What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 2015. 2015. Yeah. What it do, people? What it do? do? We are in effect again Mm -hmm. on this show. Well, I can't even talk straight today. You see how I am? (laughs) See how I am? You special. (laughs) On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and what else? Shit like that. Shit like that. that. You, know, you know what? We always say that. And it's what? like, I don't think anybody ever says stuff like that. You know, craft they ain't cool and like shit that. like that. Okay. They oh. ain't black like that. Oh, good Lord. They ain't got style like <laughs> good that. Good Lord. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> so y'all here, that's Lisa Bolacaja. Mm-hmm. We call her the street nerdist. Mm-hmm. So you just came back from somewhere, didn't you? Uh, yes, I just came back from Wisconsin. Uh, Tell the people the what that is. feminist... It's a science fiction convention, but it has a feminist slant. Mm-hmm. And basically what it means, it's just basically a science fiction convention. Mm-hmm. Who see women and gender equally? Yay! Because no people no. always think, oh, is it just women only show up? Child, we got everybody come up in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody come up in there. So it was fantastic. Like I said, I was on a couple of panels. Uh, I did a reading with my class, of uh, my clarion class, The Awkward Robots. Very successful That's a reading. Too. Yeah, we call it The Awkward Robots. Because uh, Yeah, it's hashtag Awkbox. If you ever want to like see us talking to each other, and I was really thrilled because my um, one of my favorite sci-fi writers, who was also one of our instructors when I was in Clarion, Ted Chang, was there to come see us read, mm-hmm. and also Jay um, Karen J. Fowler, who's a famous sci-fi writer, who's one of my favorite writers, and it was really cool to see these big names come and check out their babies reading their <laughs> their works and things like that. So it was really now, really they, a lot are, of fun. Are all those people from from Clarion? Clarion? No, just everybody from all, all over the world. Okay, all over, but. That particular reading we had um, was our Clarion class. And, okay. you know, a lot of people from Clarion uh, are there. And uh, shout out to the Clarion class of 2010 for having an, a super awesome reading also. It was 2010 when you were in Clarion? I was in 2012. Oh, I was about to say, it yeah. wasn't that long ago. I know, was it? I know. I got it. Oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so basically we're just, you know, gearing up, um, really excited because uh, this coming weekend we're going to the Nebulas. And a lot of my friends Ooh. have been nominated for Tell the... Tell the folks what the Nebulas is. Uh, if you're into science fiction or fantasy... Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nebula is the award that's put out by the um, F- Science Fiction Writers Association, which is the um, professional, I guess you'd say like the writing organization for professional science fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, horror writers and things like that. And every year they have their annual Nebula Awards and they give out the awards for best short stories of the really? year, novellas, novels, movie, that kind of stuff. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And like literally I know a lot of the people that have been nominated. The That's problem good. is you and you one, and I know pack, two girl. of my two of the people in my clearing <laughs> class are nominated. One of the other people who was also an Octavia E. Butler scholar, Kaya Shanti Wilson, is nominated. So that's the hard part. Like I'm excited mm-hmm. for everybody to be nominated, mm-hmm. but it's like they're all in the same category. So you're like, yay for everybody, you know? So that's gonna be exciting. Well when everybody writes the same type of genre, I well, guess. Well I mean they you, they're you, all I mean it's exciting. I mean it's just a thrill for them to be nominated. Yeah. And it's just to know that hey, you know, we know we started from the bottom and now now we here, you know, in just a couple of years. Like, God mm-hmm. damn it, y'all just well, came let me out the ask box. You, um, on a side note, so is the Nebula is that a powerful award to win? Does it does it help um, you? 
Or is it people just didn't know? You know, it's kind of like it? the Nebulas and the Hugo, the Hugo Awards. Um, you know, back in their day when they first got started, they were big. You know, they were big to do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like industry awards, mm-hmm. you know, and depending on what your value is. Um, it's not as powerful, um, this is just my opinion. I don't think they're as powerful as they used to be. It's kind of like the, the American Music Awards and Grammys okay, and stuff. Yeah, After a while, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you won an yeah. award, that kind of thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the story or the music that wins mm-hmm. is really the best thing that's out there because a lot of times we don't know about the underground upcoming people. True. True. But in that respect, um, it, I mean, it's still a great honor to get nominated or even to win those awards because usually it really does um, get your name out there a little bit with mm-hmm. editors and people and it, it means that, wow, you... Well, that's the key. Yeah, you, they consider your stuff, you know, really, really good compared mm-hmm. to other people. But you know what? All, all the nominations, all the nominees, I'm really excited for them. It's my yeah. first time going, mm-hmm. and um, I'm excited. What you going to wear? We were talking about that. I, I know. I thought, see this, <laughs> see, this is this my little country ass. <laughs> I thought I could just chill with my Birkenstocks <laughs> and my Sharknado. Uh, yeah, I have my little Sharknado, <laughs> Sharknado leggings. Shirt on. I got my Sharknado <laughs> shirt. Don't you make fun. Sharknado okay. is epic. <laughs> I tried, girl. I tried. <laughs> and matter of fact, I just downloaded Sharknado 2 on Netflix. I'm going to give it a try. Now. I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> and I'm a horror dude. But you I have to go in mean. drunk, basically. Uh-huh. It's one of those 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 movies that they're horrible, mm-hmm. but they're they're so horrible it makes them good. And they're just fun fun movies to make fun of because they're just, they're just ridiculous. They're just you ridiculous. Because I, I know we're going to do an episode where we talk about <clears throat> summer flicks that we like. But I'm just going to say this in a, in a short thing. When I, I just went and saw San Andreas last night, and it reminded me of Sharknado turned up with a budget. It just, just as far as the, there were some campy, oh, I understand that. campy lines in there. You know what I mean? We'll get into that in episode. Well, it's like I'm telling people now. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to see in San, San Andreas, and I'm, I'm going to see it, but um, I'm only going to go see it uh, because of Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. AKA He's consistent. The Rock. He has a moment in there where he, you see some real tears coming down. I'm like, okay, he's, you know, I'm, I'm okay. He's getting there. I mean, just like my confession with Mad Max, I only went to go see it because of Tom Hardy. <laughs> I am, I'm petty that way. Yeah, I and I, uh, I embrace the pettiness because uh, if they were not cast, I would not go see them. I mean, I know San Andreas is about earthquakes and mm-hmm. California font, but I'm, I'm really there for um, his tats. His and his what? his tats, his tattoos, his, tats. his, his you can you can only see this his, one. His Samoan on his arm. What about his arms and uh-huh. his big guns on his no, arms? No, he doesn't wear anything. He's he's covered up. He has on a t-shirt. How dare you, San Andreas? Most of the movie. How dare you deny but me? There is one shot where he's wearing because he's dre- he's supposed to be like a regular working man, but whenever he's with his kids, he can't wear no half shirts. He's dressed nice. It's California, like California style. But you can see his tats. They're just not like he's got his tank top on or something. You know what I mean? You can see. It's Charlie did me with, with The Dark Knight Returns when Tom Hardy was playing Bane and they had him covered up the whole entire time. And I thought, what is this bullshit? What is this madness? Well, we'll talk about that All on right. Netflix. Anyway. <clears throat> so today, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so y'all ready? Tangent flag. Let's go on ahead and get it in. Mm-hmm. Y'all know we'll be going off on rants. That's why we call it the rant room. Mm-hmm. So um, today, I thought it'd be really cool. You through your suggestion, you said let's talk about um, two game Bessie. changers. Yeah, two, let's talk about Bessie. Let's talk about Mad Max. Okay, right. 
So let's start with Bessie because okay. you just did a kick-ass article in Bitch Flix. Yeah, so shout out to Bitch Flix. I love Bitch Flix. Uh, I did a piece um, that you can go to right now if you type in, if you Google Bitch Flix and you go on there and you look under um, staff writers, look for my name. I have a piece called Bessie Unapologetically Black, Female, and Queer that I did because I was Why are you a- trying to use some cute little titles? Stuff? Like, you, like you know how to write or something. I'm, I'm, <laughs> 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 I write truth and that's what, what popped off. What, and, but it it really pops and tells you exactly what you're about to get into. This, and, it? It is, and, and that is exactly what went mm-hmm. on in mm-hmm. that film. So mm-hmm. shout out to HBO Films. Um, number one, for letting me get a chance to screen it before everyone else saw it. On HBO when it premiered a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <clears throat> wonderful shout out to the entire cast, which was flawless. They were even Michael Epps. Yeah, he was playing very Like Michael Epps. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to play Richard Pryor. You know he gonna kill it. And here's the thing, like you know, I always think of Michael Epps as just you know the funny dude, yeah, the sidekick yeah. dude. Yeah, I didn't think he was like it. for the first time. I actually looked at him differently when I saw him in um, Sparkle. Mm-hmm. When he's, I was like, and he's all dressed up and be kind of macked at. I was mm-hmm. like, is that is that Michael Epps? <laughs> and then when I saw him in this, it was like it was such a real he part. He's a chameleon, and he. He played that role. He was such sincere, mm-hmm. and it was just such a beautiful role. And mm-hmm. he was he was sexy in that. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna have to look at Mike Epps a little differently now. You're not just a funny mm-hmm. dude, you now know. Let me ask you. This is a really good question. And keep your thought. Go ahead. But since we're talking about this, you know, we go off a side shit. Mm-hmm. Now thinking about Mike Epps. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked about like Robin Williams, um, some of the other big comedians, Steve Martin, <clears throat> who can go from being so over the top. To being so subtle. Well, some of the There's best... There's something in there, right? I think what it is is that <clears throat> some of the best dramatic actors, mm-hmm. I mean, especially when we're talking about like Robin Williams, The Range, mm-hmm. a lot of them are comedians. Yeah. Because a lot of times people don't realize a lot of times comedians come from really dark, painful places. And mm-hmm. so they joke about these things. And it's pretty cathartic for them. But Definitely. most of the time when I've watched documentaries about comedians, mm-hmm. talked to a couple of comedians, a lot of them, they get up on stage and they tell these stories to kind of help release this thing. And a lot of them come from really, really rough backgrounds. Sure, sure. And comedy is a way of... Um, <clears throat> You know, kind of like a therapy to help them deal with that in a funny way. Mm-hmm. So I, I am never shocked. Like when people are always amazed and they're like, oh, why did they cast mm-hmm. certain people? Like what people will laugh and say, like, why was Richard Pryor ever cast in certain movies, mm-hmm. Drenic Rose? Like, for example, when he did Lady Sings the Blues mm-hmm. as Piano Man, he was so good. Brilliant. He was so good. He brought a humor to it, a pathos, mm-hmm. and he was a really good, good actor. He didn't get as many dramatic roles I would have liked sure. to have gotten. But a lot of times people overlook comedians. For, and I always, for really I always, great actors. I always think it has to do, you know, coming from being an actor and doing improv, there's something about being uninhibited mm-hmm. in your, in your, whether you are in, uninhibited as a writer also. Mm-hmm. There's something about being uninhibited as an actor <clears throat> when you come from comedy where you're on the stage by yourself. Right. Especially when you do over-the-top comedy right. or physical comedy. It's, I don't, I'm not surprised when they can wheel it in and just be subtle either because... Yeah, or self-deprecating yeah. comedy where they were like, they just lay it out there and mm-hmm. you're like, whoa. I mean, a great example would be the recent movie that um, Chris Rock did. Mm-hmm. Top five, top five, yes. Where it was a really good movie, and it mm-hmm. was like I'm so used to him being funny over the top all the time. But there were certain moments in that film where you're like, "That was real. That that mm-hmm. he's he's doing some things." But anyway, you can you can 
put that in that perspective also in the same way in terms of hip hop artists becoming actors sure. because a lot of times people don't you know they forget I know it might sound like a long time ago to, <laughs> to, to you youngins out there okay. but once upon that? a time Queen Latifah was not an actress exactly. uh, she was called Queen Latifah for a reason she mm-hmm. was like a hip hop head she was mm-hmm. like one of the first really um, successful uh, rappers who happened to be female you know that came out there I mean mm-hmm. she did Ladies First mm-hmm. um, Coming to my house coming to, Oh just everything. I mean and, and Young Like mm-hmm. coming in Like 18 Just coming in And just mm-hmm. slaying everybody mm-hmm. So when she started acting And people were like Oh here comes another rapper Coming an actor sure. um, I think she came in With the realness And I think All that time uh, Of being in, in the hip hop world And transition to acting I think This movie Bessie That we were talking about but I think she's, she's been gearing for this movie. Oh, God, she's been in so many good things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but think about it. She's made jazz albums and all yep. that, et cetera, et cetera. But she's been leading her mm-hmm. way. This is the perfect, this is the perfect situation scenario for her. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling people on a personal level, just being a gay man, I'm like, this is the perfect time for her to just say, hey, the world. <laughs> Instead mm-hmm. of people going, do you know if she's gay? And you know Damn what? It. And you know me, you know, devil's advocate. It's like... Ain't none of my business. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. There, there's, there's just a small part, and mm-hmm. we, we've had this conversation. On I understand. Other thing. Mm-hmm. There's just a small part of me when there's somebody you know, probably more than likely is mm-hmm. has never said they were or mm-hmm. weren't or whatever. You kind of know they are. Right. It's like you know what? What do you have to lose? You're playing roles. You've done right. two roles. Right. You know, set it off in this movie showing mm-hmm. you're, you could play this type of character mm-hmm. and it still hasn't affected you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If it affects you, I kind of get it. Right. But if it doesn't, you might as well just tell right. the world because it helps some other kid who is struggling with their sexuality. If they can do it, I can do it. Right. That's my only reason right. why I think to some right. extent. I think whatever she decides to do, like I said, in the past she's always said that that's none of anyone's business and that she's just living her life and I've always respected that. I agree to that. I understand. um, But at the same time too, I do, you know, for a lot of times when people have been in the business for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, they have to pick they have to pick their moments when they're ready. I mean, some people are more ready than others. Sure. And, you know, but I think because she's built up this long career, um, whatever she wants to do, you know, I'll I'll support her in any way because Mm -hmm. this... This is one of her breakthrough performances. This is like, uh, like literally, I mean, the moment that Dee Rees, and shout out to Dee Rees for doing a, a wonderful job with the, the screenplay, but just like in the article I wrote, just the opening of that film, it lays it out there for you. First mm-hmm. of all, she's playing Nina Simone, Sea mm-hmm. Lion Woman. If you know the lyrics of Sea Lion Woman, the, uh, the, <laughs> the sailor version, the old school sailor version, um, <laughs> they're pretty risque lyrics in terms of... Well, they were talking about the... The the vajayjay the, the and everything, right hey, there. you know. She'll make you moan and scream. Sea lion woman, all dressed mm-hmm. in red, all dressed in green. Mm-hmm. You know, she doing her thing, living her life. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, that was signifying that you're going to see somebody who is living their life. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it might be shocking, but for others, it's like th- that that's real how sure. it comes out. Not only that, in terms of the music, the dialogue in that script, mm-hmm. like. It was like listening. You know, I always joke with people. I was raised, my stepfather owned a, uh, an auto garage. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up around men who had come, you know, who had migrated from down south, from back east, you know, hardworking, black, working class men. And they hung out with working class black women and mm-hmm. they talk shit. 
Mm-hmm. They the language to me was like poetry. Listen to them talk. Mm-hmm. Depending on the southern slang, whether it's East Coast slang, how they use words, that kind of staccato rhythm to the language. Mm-hmm. I heard that in the script. Like mm-hmm. there's one line where <laughs> Monique says, "What you gonna do? You gonna uh, you gonna you gonna stay or jump, bitch?" Mm-hmm. And it's like it was no long expository mm-hmm. sentence talking about. Well, you have to make a decision whether or not you were gonna. Um, Come work for yeah, me and very, be a singer, and mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you're going to get off this train, you need to make it. It was like, what you going to do? You going to stay or jump, bitch? Mm-hmm. Like, look, uh-huh. the train is moving. It's moving. The train is uh-huh. moving. You need mm-hmm. to make a decision. And just the way she talked to people, and I mean, the diet. It was just a really, really good film, and I was really excited about um, actually being able to see a film where you have someone who's who's queer, who. Is un- who, who doesn't make a big deal, where that is not the crisis of her life. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like I said in the article, you know, most times when we see gay characters, there's always something like traumatic or, or, or scary about to happen. Like, well, people find out I'm gay or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they're out and people are like against them and that becomes part of the plot, like that kind of conflict. And it's like, in this movie, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, I got my man, mm-hmm. I got my other man, <laughs> I got my girlfriends. <laughs> and I was like... How are you living this it's life in the thirties? Okay, like having a cake, a, re- okay. <laughs> a renewable cake where I can eat it. Have yeah. the cake and eat it, and with it replenishes the fudge, with the whipped cream <laughs> and a cherry on and top. And it replenishes us every every time. Like there's never been a main. I mean, I've seen films in other countries and independent films mm-hmm. where you do get that kind of like open, just really. Uh, I don't know, just really, I'm trying to, I can't even find the word I'm looking for. And I want to say progressive, kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of a radical film um, dealing with that. And here you have a mainstream company that's showing you, here's a black woman, and she drinking, she's smoking, Mm -hmm. she beating men up. Oh, she was bad. She is like, nigga, mm-hmm. what you say? And mm-hmm. somebody said, what, but fat bitch, blah, blah, blah. And just beat the shit out of him in the middle of the club and then mm-hmm. sat back down to play cards again. I'm like, I know these women. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be able to see these type of women mm-hmm. who are, what we call, what they call them in the old days, they call them bras. These, these bras, mm-hmm. you know, is not playing. Check this out. Me and my girl, Pam, um, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you and I know from analyzing hundreds of scripts that... There are moments in the scripts, like she's a big casting director and a producer, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time, like we'll read a script and she'll ask me, like, what did you think about that? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, here's what I liked or here's what I didn't like. Right. And she may or may not agree with me on something, but she's looking at it from a completely different point of view. Mm-hmm. She says, for instance, like writers focus on, this is some good game for you guys, for you writers right now. She says, writers focus too much on, oh, that's a great line or that's a great whatever, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. She says, what you keep forgetting is the moments. You just picked out three or four kick-ass moments Mm -hmm. that made Queen Latifah read the script and go, I have to play that part. Mm -hmm. I have to do that moment. Mm -hmm. For me, like that moment when she, when the clan comes in, they're about to burn down the big tent and they're having a When have you seen that in a movie? She burst out the door. Okay, and starts kicking the fuck out of some of the clan. Then they got shotguns. And they got shotguns. They have surrounded the tent. You know what I mean? You know, when have you seen that? And then mm-hmm. they, the motherfuckers leave. Mm-hmm. And, then she tur- and then she turns around and goes back mm-hmm. and starts performing again. Like, hey, shit ain't happening. And then it's she like, turned it up. And then turn- you have never mm-hmm. seen that in a film, especially mm-hmm. a period piece, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with racism, you're dealing with the clan. You have never seen a movie where black, uh, especially a black woman comes out, mm-hmm. says, get. 
you gonna jump frog? Mm-hmm. Jump. If not, get the fuck out of here. In the 40s or and then the fo- okay. And then they leave, and then she turns around and mm-hmm. keeps doing what she's doing, mm-hmm. as opposed to oh lordy, we uh, mm-hmm. feet don't feel me now. Back. They might come back. Mm-hmm. We best leave. We better yeah. run. I mean, you I always say, oh my god. When I think about Mississippi <laughs> Burning, or when they come, in, or all those movies where mm-hmm. they have like you know the olden days when the Klan mm-hmm. shows up, and you know the scary black people so frightened. Oh lord, we got to leave and run. Mm-hmm. Here it's like. Her life, she's been living it so hardcore and so real that, bitch, if I'm going to die, it might as well be today. You know? I ain't going to let you come up here and disrespect mm-hmm. me and my people in this black space, sure. you know, and come in here. Okay, it's, you've never seen that in a mainstream. I'm going to say, I'm going to be very specific, yeah. an American production. Correct. Now okay. I have seen some shit like y'all. Y'all need to go see Quilombo, one of my favorite movies in Brazil, <laughs> where they was. I love that movie. I love that movie because it it, it lets you see black people, people of I say people of African descent, kicking ass, taking mm-hmm. being autonomous, having agency, mm-hmm. and not kowtowing or bowing down or running scared. Like they was like slaying white folks, mm-hmm. Portuguese, like it wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. And I celebrate that because you don't get to see it because mm-hmm. we never show movies. Where like I'm waiting for the Nat Turner movie, I'm waiting for the Haitian Revolution movie, where mm-hmm. we show black people being so radicalized and so powerful that they're like, you know what, we're gonna fight back. You never see us fighting back. You always see us beat down, and mm-hmm. eventually we give in. Oh, one day in the future, my children, my children's <laughs> will have some hope. The hope of the slave. One day, it's like, uh, bitch, no, we have in heaven right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> and you're gonna have to deal with that. So I think, even well, let me though, ask you this, yeah, let me ask you what. What? Because I had a couple issues with it. Okay. But and I do want to talk about them because maybe you can help me understand mm-hmm. them. Um, what was it about the movie? I mean, you, you're talking about them now. Mm-hmm. You know, black woman over yeah the moments. Um, the, the, you know the, all those the things. Moments, yeah. I had a couple issues with the way they were moving the story. It was fast. It was they were skipping over. A lot, a lot of, of things, stuff. and I get it. You can't do so much. I had to do it in my Sylvester script. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you probably had to do it in your Gazelle de Blanca script. There, you can't show everything. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. But that is why I think it needs to be about one thing. Yeah. So that you can show how they got to whatever. Yeah, I think with this one, they were trying to squeeze so much history. Um, and I think the main reason why I have a fan squee for the film was because back when I was you in college, a, a fan squee, okay. I squee, yay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's because back in college, I did take a, a class on black musical history, and one of the people we studied uh, was Bessie Smith. And there's so much that they could have put in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that it, fe- it moved very fast, because I, I know they were trying to squeeze a lot in there, but I do agree where, you know, you just need the, the essence of certain things. Because I think the audiences nowadays are smart enough where we don't have to have sure. a whole lot of stuff. You mm-hmm. can tell us some things. But I do feel like either they could have made, they could have made it long, could have made it a miniseries, but I just felt like it was a little rushed. Like everything was moving kind of fast. And there were moments where I wanted to linger a little bit more, like, hold up, hold up. Yeah, you, just, you're just going to show up with a kid yeah, just, from out of nowhere. And all of a sudden he's with the family, like, wait, yeah. so what was the. And then he embraced them and became more close and to And then was like, so did. where did this child come from? Uh-huh. Because part of it where I was curious, and Maybe I might have went ahead and just let it let it go because I let it go because she doesn't answer to anybody. She does what she wants. She does do. what she wants. And I yeah. thought I'm just gonna go with that. But I was curious because part of me was like, you know, you know how there's subtext. Things happen. Mm-hmm. Especially the part where she says, Oh, the person's name. This is Jack G. No, what's mm-hmm. his real name? Jack G. Jr. Part of me was thinking, Oh, this must this must be one of his outhouse babies. 
one of the kids he might have had or one of his women, and she must have gone to get it and brought it there. And that's why he just kind of had that that look. I just thought she was naming him, like claiming this. I thought so too, but then when I watched it again, like I watched it like three times, Mm -hmm. and then I was just like, wait, maybe. Because when she says it the second time, it's Jack, and that's when everybody goes, mmm. Uh, And I thought This must be one of them kids He had Mm -hmm. One of his jump offs And the thing about it She's so cool about it Because most movies You know When you have Because it was clear to me They had an open relationship Mm -hmm. The only thing that they they, Like don't tell me though Yeah it's like I don't need to have The hoe up Mm -hmm. in my house Mm -hmm. You know I don't see I don't need to have Your man up in our space You can Mm -hmm. do what you need to do I just don't need to see it Okay respect We can work it out Mm -hmm. But it was like It was (laughs) You don't get to see that Like Mm -hmm. we never get It's always drama And the drama In the relationship was not the fact that they were both screwing other people. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that that was getting in the way of her being with their family. Sure. You know, where it wasn't like, oh, you, I don't see you out there with all these men. It wasn't the man. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that her time was away from them, True. which was really important. So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things I thought that I probably would have wanted to slow down and know a little bit more for. But it was like, you know what? It's This is one of those do or die moments. They'll probably never get to have this moment to yeah. make this type of film again. I mean... If, do what you got to do. If they ever do your movie, they're gonna you, they're gonna be going. Well, they skipped this. And this. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's oh, we got to. You got to. I'm just talking about the execution, right? Of right. How they did it, I thought could have been a little more zeroed yeah. in, if you will. And like I said, with every you know, in the article I wrote for Bitch Fuzz, with every biopic, every biopic is never going to make anybody happy. No, because it's difficult. Because one thing. It's just too much. And a lot of the best biopics, like to me, the best ones are not the ones that go through the actual timeline of the person's life. Mm-hmm. The best ones are the ones where they might just pick one pivotal moment, a certain frame of reference, mm-hmm. and go from there. I think that's why I'm looking forward to, um, if it ever comes out, um, Don Cheadle's Miles Davis biopic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think specifically they're that's looking... Been, that's been years, ain't it? He did a kick there. I think they were doing a Kickstarter or something trying to get it going. I'm, ho- I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Don't shake your head. No, I'm it's hoping. just it's just that Hollywood thing about trying to get everybody to raise the money for you because we don't sp- you don't spend your own money like you're a millionaire. You can probably invest People, in some of your own. I just don't understand that. Well, we can't always assume that some of our actors out here are millionaires. Uh, I know for certain. He's a okay. Well, well, people never want to spend their own money on stuff. Okay. I, I just I don't know. I mean, I guess everybody's trying to do what you know Spike Lee did, and he's able to raise all this kind of money. You well, know Spike I mean? Lee had to do a Kickstarter you know? to do his last one with the Sweet Blood of Jesus. Did he? Did anybody see it? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> Sorry, Spike. You know what I'm saying? Did yeah. he make his money back? I don't know. Um, anyway, so there, there was there was some issues I had, and mm-hmm. some of the direction I thought was a little yeah. Mm, but all in all, mm-hmm. what I was. Because I was talking to some some writers about this the other day in the writers' room, and I was like, for me, it was. I see. I mean, Monique's gonna be nominated. Of course, Queen's gonna be nominated. Mm-hmm. I thought Candy Alexander. Some, Candy's brilliant. I thought in some ways it'd be nice to see Mike Epps get some support. I think so because Would it be big enough. I don't know. I don't but know. Well, maybe not for an Oscar, but maybe for an Emmy. I'm or, not, yeah, it just it. <clears throat> just I, a nomination. I, I think. This role with him in it, where he's not required to be funny, he's not. He's just being. He's just playing a man mm-hmm. who's in love with the woman, 
who's in love with a whole lot of other people, mm-hmm. and he's just one of many, and he just needs to know his place, mm-hmm. but he's still there for her mm-hmm. till the end. I, I think, if anything, that should show casting directors that he has a lot of range, and I think, sure. if anything, I, I hope this, this pushes that Richard Pryor project along, because I think... I think he's going to kill it. And I think he's been building up. I think he's been doing a lot of what Jamie Foxx did. Mm-hmm. Those small roles like in Ali and different mm-hmm. roles. And you build up and then you finally get your chance to do a movie like Ray. And people are like, oh, you can do anything. So mm-hmm. I think Mike Epps is at that role. And I'm hoping Michael Williams. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's brilliant in everything, everything. I've seen. Well, I'm not going to say everything because I did see him in one independent project that was like one of those, you know, hey, you're... Probably did a favor for somebody, and you could mm-hmm. tell it's like the direction was like, that's not, mm-hmm. I know Michael Williams can do better than that, mm-hmm. you know. But I think he's one of those character actors that, man, I could just did sit you there. you see him in Boardwalk Empire? Child, just, I can just, I could just, if he could just sit in a coffee shop and sit there, mm-hmm. I could watch him mm-hmm. all day. Because mm-hmm. it's just his eyes. There's something else he, going some, on. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like there's. There's the storm that's inside of him, and no matter what he's playing or whatever he's doing, like when he was sitting at, and Bessie, when he was sitting at the Thanksgiving table, and she walked in, and mm-hmm. he had that kid, and he was looking across the table, mm-hmm. and he wasn't saying much, and just how his whole demeanor just shifted, which is how she, it was just so, mm-hmm. so good. And he was like, like, you know, I can clown you right now. I should just go off. And he looked at her, and he was like, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm going to tone it down. That's and uh, I would love to see more of Tika Sumter. Okay. She is gorgeous. Is that um, the one who plays like her love interest? Mm-hmm. Who played Lucille? I, you gotta admit, there was one scene. Remember where um, they went into New York? They hadn't been in New York, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Ooh, you gotta be careful. Things are different in New York." Mm-hmm. And they go to New York to that white party, and she sings, and all the white people are fawning all over her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's standing there with with her. What's the girl's name? Tika. You just said Tika. Uh huh. And and I just love that it's whatever year. Let's just say the twenties. And they're there at this party with all these white people in New York, two black people, and she's she's like touching her. Obviously, this is my woman. Right. Still. And had her man there, too. It was yeah, like, we here, you know and I mean? they're all there. And what was great about that we don't get to see is the fact that they brought in Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. And what I think is powerful is because a lot of times people like Langston Hughes, um, one of my other favorite writers that I really love and respect is Ronell Hurston, who were around during that time, who relied on patronage from white um, people who really love black culture, who would pay money to help them get books and short stories. Mm-hmm. They depended on these people. And a lot of times they had to tone back their realness, their sure. own real selves, because mm-hmm. they didn't want to upset the white people who were who were given the money that subsidized to to free them up to be able to be to write to be able to write. Sure. And um, it was just interesting watching Queen as Bessie and her her little entourage of people just being themselves and not giving a fuck with these white people. Fuck these mm-hmm. white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be coming to the little party and whatever. But you know what? When I leave here, I'm still gonna be. But poor Langston is sitting there and he was trying to warn her like, mm-hmm. "Well, these white people there, you got to be careful because they not." And it was like he was trying to warn her. Mm-hmm. And when he gets that moment when she gets done singing and he sees how she reacts to everybody and he gets the smile on his face because he realizes, "Oh, she's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't really have to like." Protect her because she's gonna be who she's going to be. You know what's funny? <clears throat> Did you see that thing? If it was on YouTube, it was on um, uh, Jamie Foxx has been interviewed. <clears throat> I posted it on my Facebook page. I forget who he's been interviewed by. Um, somebody big, but he was telling the story about how. Um, when he did Ray, he was out partying, having a good time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he got a call from Oprah, and like, um, and and Oprah invited him over to like Quincy Jones's house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he shows up there, 
and like all these older actors are all dressed like from like the 20s and 40s and 50s or whatever. And he's like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And she introduces him to um, Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I must get teary. I think mm-hmm. about it. And he said, Sidney basically, him and Oprah basically told him, you need to get it together. This is real shit. You were representing Ray. But you here's the I mean? thing, but and this is where I'm going to have to step okay, in and be uh, from the young inside of it. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of our older actors who are really concerned about respectability politics with black people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they forget that the best of the best that's ever come from us has come from people letting themselves be real and be themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we try to control it because, one, we don't want that pressure to come back on us. Oh, mm-hmm. you see, because the problem with being black in this country is you can't just be your own black individual self. Sure. Anytime you go out, there's always that hidden monkey on your back that's like you representing every single black person. As mm-hmm. black people, we got to let that shit go. Mm-hmm. And Oprah and them, I know they under- I understand where they're coming from. They come from that last leg of the civil rights movement where we have sure. to be respectable. and be. You can't be telling these young people who are coming up, you got to go out. Because what you're doing is you're limiting them for being fully free to be what they want to do. Okay. I'm really concerned about David Owello. I can't mm-hmm. remember because right now I know that that that's Oprah's favorite. Oh, God, yeah. He's like, I mean, when they were tweeting the thing with the um, uh, that Ava DuVernay was doing over uh, the weekend, they did 12 hours of black like black uh, filmmakers talking about you know filmmaking and mm-hmm. stuff and being supportive of one another. And they were like, oh, have you seen our David and Nightingale and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's like. You got to be careful with that because what happens is, what if David decides he wants to do a role and Oprah and them find it unacceptable? Oh, you're not representing the race correctly. Oh, you're not. I, I could guarantee you they would do that. Yeah, and it's like we can't. We older actors mm-hmm. let let the young people. You had Joe Chance back mm-hmm. in your day when you was doing stuff that we didn't think was cool. You got to do <laughs> what you need to do. Fall back. <laughs> Fall, it's a brand new day. Mm-hmm. These young people know what the fuck they're doing. Okay, let them be because what happens is we hinder them. We because I I know it comes it comes from a place of fear, it comes from a place of historical legacy of oh if you get too shiny they notice you something bad gonna happen to sure. you oh keep it you can't be doing all, you got to let people because the best of us has come from the messiest of us. Good point. And like Bessie, we're talking about the be- mm-hmm. and they start new trends and they create new things. And I know they have Sydney Poitier. Oh, we- come on, Sydney, you know you was wilding out back in the day. <laughs> Don't be coming up here. And of course, once you start getting like, oh, I got to represent. Fuck that. We ain't mm-hmm. representing the race no more. You need mm-hmm. to represent you. Mm-hmm. We will find you. We mm-hmm. will follow along with whatever you do. We don't need people telling people, you gotta, you gotta, you're representing us. You gotta, you can't be doing that no more. Let people fucking be what white people. <laughs> white people listen to me. Listen to me carefully. I'm just talking about specifically American <laughs> white people. Get them, get them. Let, let, let people be free. <laughs> Stop putting that pressure on black. Stop thinking that one black person represents every black person. Stop that. It's, it's killing us. It's making us, it's making us sick. It's, it drives me mad. <laughs> uh, and this is for black people, specifically black people in America. Black people. Let the young people do what they need to do to find out who they are. Because white people in America can wild out and do whatever they want to do, find themselves, individually uh, create the person they need to be. A lot of people of color do not have that luxury because we're so worried about what people will think of us. And they put us in a box and we cripple our own selves. There's no telling what we can do. Mm -hmm. 
we got to kill this respectability politics. So I understand what they were trying to do when they brought him in there. When you're playing Ray, and I know Sydney was doing that Sydney voice, mm-hmm. you know, you got to bring, you know, you got to, uh, for the, uh, you know, old school race, man, for the race, for the blah, blah. You know, let, let people be who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Let them be who they're going to be. They're going to come around and be who they, you know, I, I can't deal with that. I'm sorry. I have much respect for Oprah and them, but mm-hmm. it's like you got to let people. So it scares me in a way mm-hmm. when they're no, you like, "You have a valid point." I when mean, they're saying things I, like, I "Oh, look at our like David. That. Oh, he's doing wonderful things." Yeah, I didn't but what think if, about it like what that. If, but fuck, I could what see if David that. wants to fucking go do something crazy, mm-hmm. wild, <laughs> pull radical, a, pull a Miley different, or, or do something? <laughs> and next thing you know, oh, you, oh, you can't hang with us because you're doing something we find unacceptable. Artists are going to be artists. Let them do their art. Mm-hmm. You know, either it's for you or it's not for you. It's kind of become an elitist. Don't it is elitist. Hmm. What you're getting into is that bullshit, talented, tenth, mm-hmm. boule society. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I said it on the air. I said it on the air. You know who I'm talking about. You black people in America know what I'm talking about when I say boule society. You got to get away from that stuff because what it does is it, it, it doesn't help artists be free enough to create and do the things they need to do. And I have to deal with a lot, even in my own household, a lot of things that I write or read or do. I know my own mother who reads my things is like, oh, well, why would you want to write something like that? And, mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't seem like that's something nice to be writing. You don't want people to think that you're just the kind of person. I don't give a fuck what people think about me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to do me and then I'm going to die and mm-hmm. then uh, move on to do whatever I'm going to do next. Yeah. And we have to let all young people, writers, painters, singers, whatever, stop trying to tell them what they need to do and let them do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling y'all, the best art comes from, comes from messiness. Yeah. And messiness is always all right with me. <laughs> so let's move on. Oh, my God. Let's move on to Matt. Kevin's going to kill me. Why? Okay, so what had happened was, so after we had, um, when Dana was here, yeah. um, shout out because this episode's coming up pretty soon, uh, from... Uh, producer and writer on Sleepy Hollow, because remember he told us mm-hmm. that he was going to see what Mad He's Max like, for a third I time every day. Every day, it's like the best. And, and of course, you know, I looked at him mm-hmm. with some side eyes, like, man, it can't be that. Yeah, it can't be that good. So, me and Kevy Kev, and mm-hmm. those of you who listened to the, the episodes, you know who Kevin is. Kevin Killebrew, one of our sidekicks. So, me and Kevin went over to the ArcLight. Shout out to the new Arclight in Culver City. Whoop, whoop. Okay. I walked in and I'm like, God damn, I ain't got to go all the way to Hollywood now. Mm-hmm. I can come to Culver City and drink my liquors mm-hmm. and sit in a movie with my wife. That, that probably could have been why my first viewing wasn't as <laughs> spectacular. You see, she said first viewing. This damn girl got to go well, nine I think, no, Here's the problem. Because I, I went and saw it the first time. And the first time I saw it, I had some issues with it. I enjoyed it. Okay. And, um, and me and Kevin, we clowned a little bit of stuff in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, let me go see it a second time. Because mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, we saw it in IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. The second time I saw it, I didn't see it in 3D. And it went from a 6 to a 7 to me. Okay. It's not quite a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. If they mm-hmm. would have done these two things. But you got to give it the credit, though. Oh, I, give me, I gave it a 7. T- it was, I gave it a 7. It was a rock. Elisa's Elisa 7 is like for some people a 10, okay? <laughs> Just that. in Elisa's world, True all right? That. And let me tell you why. Uh, once again, I must put this uh, disclaimer. Uh, the only reason why I went <laughs> to go see it. Bitch. Oh, no, spoiler alert. It's too late. Look, bitches. <laughs> if you didn't go see Mad Max. It's been out three weeks, okay? <laughs> it's too late. I have spoiler. There is no spoiler alert. It's just, it's coming. But I would just say, I only went to see it. And I said it earlier. I only wanted to see it for my future ex-husband, even though he's married right now. 
uh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> and because um, I love all the old Mad Max movies, because mm-hmm. back in the day, y'all, Mel Gibson was hot. Okay, and I'm like, let me go see it just for nostalgia's sake, and to go see Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So that was my reason for going. But when I saw it, these are the two things, and I remember me and Kevin were talking about this because it's a thing that annoys me. And I think the first time I saw it, it annoyed the fuck out of me, and that's why I was like, mm, it's not a masterpiece. Oh, it's okay, it's mediocre. And then the second time, I was like, let me look at it symbolically, mm-hmm. and let me step away from the issues I have with it and look at it as a whole. And I, I love the movie. Mm-hmm. But here are the two things I did not like. Number one, I'm tired of the damsel in distress trope. Sure. Um, I know there's an argument out there when people were talking about, is it a feminist film? Is it not a feminist film? Who gives a fuck? It's an action film. It's entertaining. Very. Don't even worry about whether it's feminist mm-hmm. or not. But I did not like the damsel in distress trope. I did not mm-hmm. like the idea that, once again, it's like, oh, we got to go rescue the maiden, the princesses, from the bad guy. And it's like... But let me just ask you this. Would it, would, it, would it have been worse for you if Charlize Theron wasn't in it? If once it was just Mad Max what, saving what, them what, as what, opposed once, to the two of them? Once again, mm-hmm. I, I was only there for Tom Hardy. Um, I, I, that's what I thought. You know what? Honestly, Furiosa could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. She would have been a badass anyway. So, I mean, even though Charlize Theron... Mm-hmm. Um, it's not her that makes the movie. I mean, a lot of people say it, and I know a lot of, especially in particular white women, love this, and I appreciate it for that. Sure. Um, because you need to have that type of hero, and you don't get to see female characters that, I mean, uh, Mad Max is like, it has put the bar at default. Because this is what I'm going to say. Mad Max is at the level where all films need to be in terms of their gender equity in films. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's the default setting. People are going, oh, it's so progressive and radical. No, that should be the norm, bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? The fact that when I saw this movie, I was embarrassed for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Embarrassed for the X-Men franchise. Okay? But what, I don't know, it's just, she, it's the whole, all the characters. And this is the thing we've talked about before, where in most movies and most screenplays that we talk about, we talk about the hero's journey. In this film, it's not the hero's journey, it's the community's journey. And it takes the community to do that. And I think that's a powerful message to to give out to everybody. Where everybody in that movie was needed. Mm -hmm. And Max was not there to be the hero. Max was there to be part of the community and to see it become successful, whatever they need to do. So I didn't give a fuck that it was Charlize Theron. She was Mm -hmm. great. It it could have been anybody. I mean, honestly, for me personally, Mm -hmm. any, any female... Of her caliber, you could have interchanged with anybody just as good. It would have been still fabulous. But for me, it was the entire cast that made the movie. From the many mothers, mm-hmm. the, old, the old women on the motorcycles yeah, doing their own stunts yeah. and shit. Okay. But anyway, the whole damsel in distress thing really irked me. Because it always seems to be that when you're dealing with films with men... You know, what, what to make it exciting, we got to go have some woman who needs to be saved. Mm-hmm. Let's go save some women. It's cool that they had another woman who's doing the saving, but at the same time, it could have been something else that made them go out. Like, one of the things I kept thinking, not to rewrite the script, but one of the things that I think that could have truly made it a masterpiece for me was if you had it be them going out to the desert and making their escape for something other than them being sex slave females. I mean, I understand the whole arc, and I appreciate the whole arc at the end where they start off as damsels but they're actually fighting back and taking care of themselves mm-hmm. but I, I feel like we we should evolve from that now where it's not about women oh we're sex slaves and now the bad guy we gotta be rescued because someone needs to save us because we can't save ourselves I hate that but shit but they all did learn how to fight eventually and that's yes. part that's part of their character arc mm-hmm. and I appreciate that mm-hmm. but in the future I would like films where we don't have to start with that trope 
at all. Yeah. You know, it could have been something. It could have been children. If you're gonna, I mean, something different. Also, I didn't like the fact that these bitches look like models from Vogue. They were all tens. Okay, they, and it's like okay, to me, Little Miss Kravitz was giving it to you. Okay, okay? and I'm like. <clears throat> that's some bullshit that's mm-hmm. some male gaze oh we gotta make some hot cuties cause first of all let's be real skinny bitches <laughs> and I say this with much love and Buddhist compassion cause I used to be a skinny bitch too okay um, and you're not gonna survive first of all you're not the ones that's gonna be breeding some babies out there like that you're not you're not gonna be the high powered breeding heifers mm-hmm. up in the, the yeah, white that's a good point you know you, you, it's, that's just not gonna happen cause you, your body I mean, to me, that was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to have some women that look kind of like the women that were uh, producing the milk. They're kind of bigger. I was just about to say, you gotta have those women. You need to milk? have realistic looking women. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. I, thank God there were other things happening that brought me back into the store because that really irked me. And not only that, but throughout the whole movie, these bitches were staying clean. I'm like, oh, how are you? Flawless. Everybody else is like, hair dirty, faces all messed up. Okay, their face was just beat perfect. Ma- okay, it- makeup still intact, hair still whipped. I'm mm-hmm. like, you can't. I mean, <laughs> y- you had me when you started having them fight for themselves, mm-hmm. but that kind of shit irks me. Well, let me tell you some of my thoughts. First, I went and saw it. Me and Pam went to go and see not it. Enough, uh, and not enough Aboriginal people. Not I know people I talk about people. Any, were there anybody in there? Well, Maybe two, in the two, two, two of the um, two of the actresses. One of them who played one of the wives. I can't forgive me. I can't remember your name, but you were gorgeous. One of the pretty wives. Uh, yeah, she's actually part um, Morai, and then the one who played the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. She's part Morai too. So those are the the New Zealanders, the 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 Polynesian part. But mm-hmm. in terms of Aboriginal, it's supposed to be even though they they filmed in Namibia, it's supposed to be in Australia. Mm-hmm. There should have been more Aboriginal people. Like some of those many mothers should have been Aboriginal, Indigenous Australian people. Agreed. They should have been there. Mm-hmm. We should have seen some of those Aboriginal, Indigenous women in that milk room when they sure. were doing that among the people. Because who else know how to better survive in that environment than uh, the original people who was there? And you don't have them in that movie. So that was. Those are just the two main things that kept kept it from being a masterpiece for me. I mean, I love the whole. Steampunk thing. I mean, that shit is badass too. Oh shit, the guitar player. Man, that was badass. Man, that is yeah. my life goal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you my thoughts. Go ahead. So we went to go see it at the Academy, right? The freaking greatest theater to see that. It is just the sound is just. I mean, oh god, and with little, that, I almost with thought that, it was too loud. And with that soundtrack, oh my god, it was amazing. So <clears throat> I thought it was a ride. I just sat there like just smiling the mm-hmm. entire time, but about. 20 minutes in, I started going, okay, it's probably been 15 years, whatever, since I've seen Beyond Thunderdome or whatever the last movie was. I don't even remember. And I was like, for those people who don't remember, what's the story about? Who are these people? Like, they just went right into the movie like we're supposed to know what. I'm like, who are these bald people? Who is it? I mean, I didn't understand shit. Mm-hmm. I was like lost. So when I walked out, we were walking up the aisle and I must have heard 30 people go, I have no idea what that was really about. It was a great ride, but I had no idea who those people were. Didn't matter. All it was about was saving the women's. Correct. But I thought they could have been somebody who told us the rules of some. I was like, what's the rules of this world? I have no idea. It just is what it is. You know, and I get that. The two-headed lizard at the very beginning didn't give you a hint. The shit was just <laughs> fucked up. Like to me, that was that was the visual cue. There's a two-headed lizard, and the man picked it up and ate it. That told me all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, but just like remember when there was a moment where Charlize 
and and all her minions, whatever the bald guys were, first driving like they were going to get gas, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they were doing, and um, all of a sudden she beelines toward another place that they're not supposed to go. But somebody says we can't go there. Such and such is there. I was like, okay, I know such and such is there. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? That was my issue. I kept wondering mm-hmm. what are the rules of this? I just didn't understand. I mm-hmm. get. I I did see the lizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you lizard, lizard, lizard. I was with you. I'm a man on a mission. You know, my clearly, life is messed up. Clearly, we're in a world, and it's things, hot. As, it's hot as fuck. <laughs> clearly, we're in a world where things happen. You know, in some unusual right, way. It's it's right. bigger than life. It's action packed. It's don't drive over there. Traps I'll get you. You know, people on motorcycles shoot you with arrows. I mean, it's whatever the fuck, right? Right. Um, but there was the rules of the world were killing me. I think that's part of it where I, the first time I saw it, I was just like, mm, because I think because it was just nonstop action, action, and mm-hmm. a ratcheted up action, action. It, mm-hmm. the, I mean, literally the entire movie is a chase scene with the truck it's and vehicles. On 10. On, and it time. never stops. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> those of us who want to have those little tidbits of world building, we probably. We probably personally probably needed some quieter moments to get a little bit more information, mm-hmm. but I think I don't I don't think this movie is probably the one that's going to do that. Maybe in the next, I just film. think they could have. I think they could have too. They, you know, but I think they just chose not to because I, I'm just thinking in terms as an editing, mm-hmm. as an editor, and shout out to George Miller's wife oh who should get the Oscar for best editing. I don't care what movie's coming out next or after. I don't care about Jurassic World, any of those other ones. <laughs> If she does not win for best editing in a film, and shout out to her for editing it in the way where it's not the male gaze on the women all the time like most movies would do. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't win, we, you and I are going out <laughs> to the Kodak Theater, mm-hmm. and we're going to take the Oscar from the person who does win it. <laughs> And just run. We're going to snatch it and run. (laughs) And then we're going to get a Google and say, okay, Google, hey, Siri, where does George Miller's wife live? Where they live at so we can give this award to her? What's her car make and model so we can hand this to her? But, you know, part of me just thinks they might. Here's the thing. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the DVD because you know they're going to put all the the scenes. I'm going to bet you. I'm going to bet you some money. Mm -hmm. I'm cheap, so $5 and a bag of Doritos. (laughs) I bet you there were some probably some smaller moments that probably gave some, you know, expositional information about the world. But I think once they started editing mm-hmm. and saw, I bet you it killed the momentum of the film. So I'm going to bet that there probably was those things that you and I kind of like. But all I'm saying is it needed exactly what you said a few minutes ago. It needed a moment, a tiny moment. of slow down. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're dealing with. Right. And, you, and you, you've got an end because we are pretty much Mad Max. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in this world. We don't know what the hell is going on. All we're trying to do is survive. So going in, he's our our end guy, our go to guy. Just give him a little bit. And, but I'm, my theory is that they probably did have those moments because there was like one of the girls to, and they had like, to take it out. There's one of one of the wives is like, I'm going back. I have to go back. Instead of somebody slapping her senseless and go, you can't go back. Here's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, you can't go back. He'll kill you. I was like, no, we already know that, motherfucker. You already know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't be dramatic. Don't. But that was like a moment right. where they could have said, right. you can't go back. Right. Number one, he'll do that. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, and, right. But in some cool way, they could have right. done it through some exposition if they wanted. Right. Um, anyway, I just didn't understand. That's interesting because that's a lot of the information, other people I've been talking to, but, but it's different. The people who I've been talking to who aren't writers mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, the best thing in the world is blah, blah, blah. And I get that. Sure. 
people who I know who are writers, mm-hmm. editors, and actors, they were saying the same thing you did. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like I needed to know a little bit more. And that's just, that's just interesting mm-hmm. to me. But I, I think also more importantly with this movie um, <clears throat> that's very powerful, like I said, is having older women, younger women, everyone pulls their weight, is also the, the male characters. There was a lot of females on, on screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, um, and one of the more interesting characters who was not female, who I think is really important, a really important character, even though he's a minor character, is Nux. Mm. Because Nux goes through this, one of the strongest character arcs really good. Like in the that. film. Because yeah. he starts off as this war boy who mm-hmm. just wants to just, I'm going to die and go to Valhalla, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be chrome, I'm mm-hmm. going to be shiny, and I'm, and I'm tumorous. And you know, I've, I've bought into this death cult. Mm-hmm. I've been brought up in this death cult. Mm-hmm. And... He gets his ass kicked so many times in this movie. And three times, it's amazing, three times he tries to die. And the first two times he tries to die, mm-hmm. it's for the wrong reasons. Sure. Until the third time he dies for a really valid, valiant, and it is a righteous death mm-hmm. that he sacrifices his life. And I think that's interesting because it says that men... And you wanted him to survive. You so wanted him to survive. Yes. So in terms of the death, mm-hmm. you know, because to be quite honest, because there's, you know, the characters in there... I wasn't that engaged with like like literally um, I have a confession. Me and we and Kevin <laughs> laugh when the the pregnant girl died because we were like, <laughs> you know what? It's the wine people. It was the white wine at the Arc Light Theater because when she because the first time it was really cool was like you thought she was just like oh it's like oh they didn't get her. <laughs> and the second time it was like bam we're like oh damn mm-hmm. and I did chuckle so I I blame it on the white wine mm-hmm. at the Arc Light but it was interesting um, how Nux he just. How you can take this character, especially a male character who's so invested in the patriarch, so invested in the, the, the destruction of the world, can just transform. And it was just a really beautiful scene at the end where mm-hmm. he's driving the truck and he um, sacrifices himself because now it is a right. Now he True. really can go to Valhalla. Yeah, you really are a chrome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of great, I mean, the symbolic, the, the symbolism in this movie was so on the nose mm-hmm. because this movie was so over the top. And I appreciate it. I mean, the cinematography. Oh, oh my God! If they don't win for best, flawless. this is one of those movies I really think I, I learned. If they watching can make, it. if they can like do a version of the movie mm-hmm. and take out the dialogue and just do like a heavy metal soundtrack. Oh, you could just watch it without any. Dialogue. I could watch it with just no just the music easily. It would be like the cartoon, yes. the animated like heavy metal. If you had mm-hmm. that great like really like somebody really shredding that and just I would watch that over and over again. It's just a it's a really beautiful film. Mm-hmm. So, do you recommend the movie? I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of people are saying some masterpiece is the best. I'm going to say it's the default setting from now on because one, you have so many women characters and mm-hmm. they're they have agency, they're acting, they're doing things. I hate the fact that we still have to use that damsel in distress trope. <laughs> I hate that these bitches have to look like Vogue models when you know in real life these heifers would not survive in the desert heat. They would die two feet from walking outside. But you know, you got to give men something to look at. I guess. But 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 oh, and but w- w- yeah. In 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 response to what you're saying, mm-hmm. you get the sense that where they lived was like heaven because they had the green, they had the water, they had the remember. I don't when, think they up were li- on, up on high or wherever they, they were. They were living like that. Though. They were living like I don't queens, think, I don't, from what I got. Well, they were well fed and taking that kind of thing. But I don't think they were living that as well as we think they were living. Hmm. You know, but okay. I, I don't know. Well, you saw it twice. Yeah. But I just want to say one last thing that I think is also important about this film um, that people really need to look at. And I, it, it really made an impact when I read this blog piece from a, a, a writer. I'm, I'm going to say the name of her blog. But the character Furiosa having the disability, mm-hmm. where she is not handicapped, 
but she has a disability, and they don't fucking explain how she got it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's there was beautiful. Lots of things like no, that. no, but I didn't yeah. need to know. I think that it would have it would have lessened the impact of her power mm-hmm. if we had a moment where. Mad Max was like, uh, so what's what happened to your arm? Did that the fact that, that they didn't explain that mm-hmm. is just, you know what? We're not dealing with that. It is what it is. She could have been born with that. I kind of got the feeling she was born like that. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that they didn't I got make a feeling it, it was chopped off. <laughs> I, 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 I get a feeling that, that that the fact that they didn't make an issue of it was mm-hmm. a it's it's a very strong message. Okay. You know, and the reason why is because there's a young woman on the internet. Um if you get a chance to read this, people, you should, because this is a white female who a lot of times she talks about, you know, people talk about intersections or how representation matters for people, especially mm-hmm. for people of color. But she, in her article, she talked about how she thought that, you know, as a white woman, you're at the top of the top in terms of everything sure. in the media. Mm-hmm. But she didn't realize how much representation mattered until she saw that Furiosa was um, disabled the same way she is. So this is a young woman. If you get a chance to, if you Google this, um, her Tumblr is no Spock. Daz, Daz, I'll spell it for you. It's N-O-S-P-O-C-K-D-A-S-G-A-Y.tumblr.com. Or something? something like that. But this is the article. Her article, I think her name is Laura, and the article is called My Reaction to Mad Max and the Utter Perfection that is Imperator, Imperator, it's an Imperator, Imperator Furiosa, uh, even though me and Kevin thought that was a drag queen name. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we saw I it. Like it, I told y'all people it was the white wine talking, it was the white <laughs> wine. But if you get a chance to read that, my reaction to Mad Max and the utter perfection that is Imperator Furiosa, um, I believe the writer's name is Laura. Um, it's a really beautiful um, blog post about how powerful the representation of a disabled character who is not handicapped. Mm-hmm. Who was out there doing their thing? It's, it was a beautiful, and it made me really, really, really like the movie even more when I started reading everybody else's reactions to it and how how representation for the women does matter. Um, I say it all the time when I'm writing in bitch flicks, but to actually see it and see the impact this film has had on so many people, mm-hmm. um, I think it's wonderful. And once again, it's the default setting from now on. If you don't have women characters on that level mm-hmm. in your movies, then you're just playing. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Lisa, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me always on Twitter. It's just my Doing name. Doing nothing. Lala Lisa Bullocka. Just psh, psh. If you was, watch, if you was <laughs> watching Twitter follow me last night, you saw us when we were doing a Sci-Fi Saturday mm-hmm. with Geek Soul Brother. This week's movie was uh, Star Trek uh, The Voyage Home. Right. Hilarious. <laughs> and um, you can also find me at Bitch Flicks. Like I said, my latest piece was on Bessie. So if you look up okay. Bitch Flicks, you can find that. And um, yeah, you can find me on those hashtags, Sci-Fi Saturday or Friday Night Horror. Whenever those come on, I like to live tweet and watch crazy movies with all the, the, the geeky fans out there. I heard that. What's up, y'all? And this is your boy, Hilliard Guest. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Um, follow us at ScreenwritersRR. Um, <clears throat> or if you have any questions for us, please email us at ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, thank you again to all the top countries out there. You guys know who you are. England, still number two. Still number two every single week. You know, Brazil, number five. How are we going to have all the people in Brazil? Brazil. That one? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Soviet Union and all kind of crazy people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so y'all know who y'all are. We appreciate it. We love you guys. And um, y'all know how we do it. We keep it street. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? 
2015, people. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Ah.